Welcome to the St. Michael Daily Meditations for Lent. My name is Bob Johnston, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Lent is in the garden. When Jesus faced his deepest trial, he prayed in the garden. As we struggle with our own trials, Jesus walks with us and calls us to a deeper life of prayer and commitment to God's love. As Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 8 to 20. For who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. Without bringing in either Apollos or me into it, you're sitting on top of the world, at least God's world, and we're right there sitting alongside you. It seems to me that God has put us who bear his image on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket. We're something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street. We're the Messiah's misfits. You might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we're mostly kicked around. Much of the time, we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces and we pick up odd jobs anywhere we can to eke out a living. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. When they spread rumors about us, we put in a good word for them. We're treated like garbage, the leftovers that nobody wants, and it's not getting any better. I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold to shame you. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you, and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. This is why I sent Timothy to you earlier. He's also my dear son and true to the master. He will refresh your memory on the instructions I regularly give all the churches on the way of Christ. I know there are some among you who are so full of themselves that they never listen to anyone, let alone me. They don't think I'll ever show up in person, but I'll be there sooner than you think, God willing, and then we'll see if they're full of anything but hot air. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. Here ends the reading. Words are powerful. They've caused nations to rise and nations to fall. They have caused hearts to swoon and marriages to collapse. But words can also have a very different form of impact. They can lull the listener and even turn the listener away. Even Paul had the misfortune of having one of his listeners fall asleep and unfortunately fall out of a third story window as we hear in the story in Acts 20. That story makes all preachers a little bit more comfortable, 
In this day and age that we live in now, we're subjected to so many words, to so much rhetoric, often just empty words. In politics, we have politicians who just ramble on and on without seemingly saying a thing. And unfortunately, sometimes we have the same problem in the church. Sometimes we ramble on with our own religious ease, but it doesn't result in much happening. Paul has something to say to that in our passage from 1 Corinthians that we heard a moment ago. I want to focus in on the last verse in particular. As a reminder, the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians deals with problems that arose in the early years after Paul's initial missionary visit to Corinth and his establishment there of a Christian community. Paul is sad about reports of dissension among the converts of various apostles, and Paul begins his letter with a reminder that all are to be regarded as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Paul, as the founder of the Corinthian church, is deeply concerned. He thinks that he may need to make another visit to Corinth to straighten things out. When this happens, he will examine not just what the arrogant Christians are saying, but how they're living. For Paul explains the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Or as a version that I read a moment ago says in the last verse, God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. The original Greek for this verse reads even more simply, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Of course, Paul of all people is not denying the importance of the content of the Christian faith, the gospel, and the words with which it is proclaimed. Words do matter, both to Paul and to all Christians. But in context, Paul's point is that when God is truly present in our lives, when we're living in the Spirit, then we will experience God's power. What does that mean? I think it invites us to let God's Spirit work in us and through us. In surrendering more fully, we find power. To be for sure, we can speak the truth without love, and we can speak with arrogance, and it's really not God's power being displayed, but the world's. Paul is seeking to establish what spirit or power is behind their words. In contrast, we are reminded that Christians are invited to walk in the Spirit, not quench the Spirit, and see an impact from living that way. Christians are invited to speak the truth in love, to lean into love. God's Spirit in us can lead us to deep acts of love that the world needs. It's a powerful thing. And it's not new. Long ago, Origen wrote about this passage in the third century. He said, It is not smooth talk that reveals the presence of the kingdom of God, but power. The commentator William Barclay said of this passage, These Corinthians can talk enough, but it's not their high-sounding words that matter. It's their deeds. Jesus never said, By their words you shall know them. He said, By their fruits you shall know them. As we carry on in Lent, let's reflect on this today. Are we living open to God's Spirit that results in actions of love in our lives? Is God's power seen? In this regard, reflect on the prayer said over you by the bishop and your confirmation. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant, blank, with your Holy Spirit, 
Empower her for your service and sustain her all the days of her life. Empowered. Gracious God, we thank you that you love us and you call us on a journey and you fill us with your love and your spirit and you empower us for living. Help us to put away anything that quenches that and be open to receive from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me now as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 